Hello and welcome to episode 46 of the Unraveling Technology podcast. Me, Joe Tonks, David Johnson, as ever, and our special guest today, Chris Hardy. How are you doing? Very well, thank you. Thanks for having me. Thank you for joining us. We're all feeling a little bit out of, well, me and David at least are feeling a bit out of whack because this is, it's been a good three weeks now since we've recorded a podcast. Yeah, we've had lots of holiday and then lots of busy, busyness at work and Mm -hmm. we managed to fit one in, which we recorded on a Saturday. Mm. It's like, I feel like you can, you can, you can sort of get, you know how they say it's like riding a bike. You can just come in and do it. I did have to kind of steal myself a bit before walking through this door because I kind of, thinking have i still got it <laughs> you know have i still got what it takes to record a podcast when you have to reel off all the list of ways that people can get in touch with us at the end Ooh. i think that's when we'll find out hands are already sweating thinking about that <laughs> oh. well yeah here we are so well into november now christmas practically around the corner yeah which is you know the media would have you believe people keep talking about the number of weeks what are we now for well, it's got to be around four about four, four uh-huh. five Christmas adverts are out. It's always a good sign. The tune's on in my car. Yeah? <laughs> Already. It's a bit early, of move, eh? I'm an early starter. <laughs> what What do you like for a Christmas, uh, a Christmas song? Well, it's, not, it's not Christmas without Bing Crosby, Frank Sinatra. Okay. The classics. Slade. Yeah, Slade. <laughs> is it a classic? It is a classic. Yeah, sure. Modern classic. That's got to be one of the most played songs, mm. whatever it's called. Um. Merry Christmas. Yes. <laughs> Merry Christmas by Slade. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah, so that's our uh, first snow of the year as well. Well, mm. I don't know if it was for everyone, but at where I live, there was a, there was a smattering of snow on the car. I, I, drove, I drove through some snow. Yeah, that'll, that'll do. It's probably snow that came off the top of my car. Yeah, <laughs> probably. <laughs> I do take a certain pride from being the person with the most snow on the top of their car when I come into the car park. <laughs> like, look at the adversity that I had to tackle <laughs> to get into work today. Who else is as dedicated as me? So yeah, the uh, pumpkin spice and gingerbread latte uh, drinks in the in Starbucks, which is a ham-fisted segue into Chris. Hey. You used to work uh, in the. Should we call it the coffee industry? I did before I responded to the sirens' call of uh, computer <laughs> engineering. Um, for yeah. the last four years in professional coffee, yeah. Which I'd not really heard of professional coffee before. Okay. Um, could you give us a brief overview? Sure. Um, so it's all called the um, speciality coffee. It's for people who sort of treat coffee the way that um, connoisseurs do whiskey. So it's very much about the, the flavor and the skill it takes to make a cup taste just so. Are we talking... Um, take a mouthful, wash it around, spit it out. That kind of, I suppose that's more wine, isn't it? I suppose you don't, you don't it, so much do that with spirits. It is more wine, but, um, you know, if you're tasting a lot of coffee and, you know, obviously we had to, it's, it's not uncommon to see a, a barista mm. spit out. Do you ever find that you have withdrawals or anything? Having worked daily, with, well, I say having worked daily with coffee, I think, to be honest, most of us here <laughs> consume imbibe coffee on a daily amount. basis. I'm a tea drinker, but... <laughs> <laughs> That's all right, you know. It's uh, room for all. It's a Burton or Howden. Do you know, I think I drink more now than I than I ever did working in coffee. Really? Yeah. It's uh, the amount of time I would make myself a coffee but just be too busy to get to it. Now I can um, just 
sit at my computer and just drink gallons. Let others <laughs> make the coffee. I yeah. do prefer other people making my coffee. Yeah, there's something to that. It's nice. It's nice coming back to a to a cup of coffee on your desk. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's or, or, big, tea, or tea or tea. Yeah, it's right. a big undertaking though. We've got a it lot is. of people. If if everybody's in, that's sort of twenty drinks that you're making if you want to do a run. Yeah, I can't remember when it used to be a lot easier, <laughs> but now it's like, um, and I feel terrible for this, but you know, if I'm going to make the coffee, make it in the morning, you know, before everybody gets in, and then it's mm. a lot more manageable. It's not that I don't. I, I don't mind making the drinks. It's that a part of me thinks it takes so long to do it that I'll have other things to do that, I th- that you know, yeah, that na- nagging feeling that other things are kind of falling by the wayside. Yeah. Um, Maybe a standing workstation in our kitchen. Maybe. <laughs> bring your or laptop bring down your while, laptop. The, while the coffee's percolating. Yeah. I've been looking at standing workstations. I don't think I get one for the office. But, um, when we were in Ikea last... Um, weekly IKEA plug. They had like an automated one with a little up down button that would raise it and everything. Mm. I know there's less tech savvy solutions out there. I could just pile up a load of books, say. <laughs> but there's a couple of people in the office I'm surprised have aren't subscribing to the to the standing desk thing. Maybe for Christmas. Maybe. Yeah. We've anyway, got secret Santa to draw. <laughs> oh, oh yeah, yeah, that too. Uh, which I think John's organising, isn't he? Yes, you get that that joy as well. Yes, looking forward to that. We had um, a few years back, uh, we, we, we used uh, a Secret Santa picker, well, it was, or it was just a random name generator, wasn't it, when we were trying to pick Secret Santas or a certain Secret Santa website. Hmm. And it picked exactly the same names for everybody twice, like <laughs> two consecutive <laughs> years. Oh, yeah. I wonder what that was about. It had one job and it couldn't do it. I guess it wasn't randomizing. I guess not. Well... Um, well, anyway, um, here we are. We've got some uh, got some some news stories to look at. A couple of them a little bit older than a week, just because we've got a bit of catching up to do, to be honest. But we'll start with this uh, first one off the bat. This is probably our freshest piece of news. Mm. Um, Apple have unveiled a new product. I want to give you a rundown of this product, if that's all right. Just all give right. you the, give you the key facts. I'm going to tell you about this new Apple product um, designed by Apple in California. So it comes in two versions. Mm-hmm. One is $200. One is $300. So it's you've got a $100 price difference. Yeah, That's yeah. So you've got like half of the course. You've got the 10 inch one. You've got like the 13 inch one. Um, specially milled, um, silver edged. Um, and typical Apple, uh, in typical Apple style, um, no headphone jack. Mm-hmm. <laughs> of course. Um, and it, it, it's, it's a book, guys. It's a book. <laughs> what? <laughs> yeah. Now, um, I don't know if you had a look, but uh, I found a little quote here from from Johnny Ive, who can, you know, that man can 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 Spin. turn words into, into <laughs> gold. Yeah, he says. Uh, so, so just to give you an idea about the book, it's it's a hardcover uh, white book, two versions, as we say, with a hundred dollar difference between the prices. And uh, it's it's basically about 400 pages of pictures of Apple products. Apple mm. products in their finished form, prototypes. I saw a picture earlier that was quite good. It was the sort of dev kit, essentially, for an Apple Watch. And it's just all the components laid out on a board. So you've got a board, you've got the front of the watch, the back of the watch, 
the innards of the watch. I guess it's just it was kind of like a vertical slice so a designer could look at it, see every aspect of it at once and go, oh, that's what happens when I click this button. Hmm. So, Maybe I can make that. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah it, was, it was like a little Lego thing. Instruction one, put a screw one in. Um, so, yeah, Johnny Ives says, um, it is an objective representation of our work that ironically describes who we are. It describes how we work, our values, our preoccupations, and our goals. We, we have always hoped to be defined by what we do rather than by what we say. He says. He does. Um, yeah, so what are your first thoughts looking at it? Um, do you think this is Apple chasing some easy money, or do you think this has some artistic merit? I... Uh, giving you probably the sniffy Android version <laughs> of things. <laughs> See, it is a bit of ego stoking by Apple, really. I don't know. He says, he also says in that quote, um, while this is a design book, it's not about the design team, the creative <laughs> process or product development. So mm. when we say, I mean, I've not seen that many pictures aside, but all of the ones on the Apple website just seem to be pretty much photos of here is the product, the finished product. Mm -hmm. um it doesn't tell you a whole lot about how bits fit together or all the different prototypes for each thing or how they decided on things it's kind of just glossy pictures of the finished product mm -hmm. you could almost see them just putting the price tag next to each picture and it yeah. becoming a product catalog instead yeah you can imagine a lot of these photos started off life as this is something we're going to take for the website so that yeah. when we sell this, we've got some nice high-res glossy photo of our the corner of our new iPhone or whatever it is. Yeah, it's you're right. It seems to have all all the pictures have been taken to look at them as as if they've been pr the products in a light box. So mm. there's there's no there's no background to them, which I'm sure if I was Johnny Ives, I'd say is because we don't want to distract away from the product. We mm. think that the product. Is, is art in itself. I did a bit of um, digging, actually, and a lot of the comments online from the, from the people who are defending the product, the book, are saying, well, is this any different than, you know, Versace mm. or whoever doing their art books, which apparently they do. Apparently you have these fashion books that are, I guess, kind of like the trying to think of like what the equivalent would be but uh call it the seasonal the seasonal fixtures right that, that are, you, you know your handbook that you'd work to in the fashion yeah. industry and i guess they're trying to plug it on that that same level and i went down a bit of a rabbit hole with it because i found a website called tashin hmm. german website i think tashin means bag in german from my from what little i remember okay. of it at school um but it's not to do with bags. It's to do with, with books. And um, it's, yeah, it turns out this isn't such a crazy thing. So on this Tashin website, the I loaded it up, and the first thing I saw was a book called David Hockney, A Bigger Book. And it's all of these uh, pictures by David Hockney. £1,750. Wow. Granted, it was a big book. I mean, and it's useless me making gestures here, but... Just imagine the biggest book you can. It's a bit bigger than that. 
Did it have a smaller size, about three inches smaller for about $200 <laughs> cheaper? Uh, it doesn't, uh, but it is signed. So that kind of justifies the oh. value, maybe, if you're a real David Hockney fan. I thought that was interesting, the $100 price jump. Yeah. Because if, if you consider, I, I went to check, if you were to get a 32 gigabyte iPhone 7, 600 pounds. If you were to get a 32 gigabyte iPhone 7 Plus, it's 719 pounds. Now, granted, you've got that disparity between dollars and pounds. Mm hmm. But still, what you're looking for for an extra three inches of book, you could also get a bigger iPhone with two cameras, faster processor, higher resolution, all that. I think their argument is going to be about this is not a mass produced book. No. It's quite limited run. Hmm. And they, they've like edged the paper in silver and um, it's it specially milled or something <laughs> like that. I. I don't remember exactly what I've read. Um, but yeah, so it's it's quite a nice object and it's quite being mm. produced in quite small quantities, whereas something like the iPhone is mass produced. Um, so that's <coughs> potentially <Excuse me. laughs> so that's potentially where the price difference comes in. Okay. Yeah, could be. The other thing I was thinking of as well was if you got you go to a museum to look at the Mona Lisa or to look at all these priceless pieces of art. If you then have a book, a really big glossy book full of all of these pictures of art, yeah, could you then justify the price point? Like if, if I said, here, David, this is a picture of some of the most amazing pieces of art known to man. 200 pounds, please, or $200. Would you say that was justified? I mean, considering the works that are upon it, would you say that's a justified price or do you think at the end of the day we're talking about printed paper? I think um, for me, probably no. I don't know. I I don't think I'm the target audience for this for the Apple book, or, or probably for a two hundred pound <laughs> book about of, of uh, famous Apple, paintings or Apple products for that matter. Well, that too. Um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> The I think the the weird thing here for me is that it's a lot of photos of products which you can a lot of them you can find day to day and may even own. Uh and the ones that you can't you've probably seen before or could track down and there's there's plenty of photos and things of them available online for free. Um so Yeah. I'm just I mean I haven't seen the book and i've only seen the kind of the handful of pages that are shown on the apple website so maybe it does go into exploded diagrams of how everything fits together and that but that sort of thing is what i would be looking for in mm. a book like this i i want to see the stuff that i can't find out just by you know googling first iphone picture no, i don't want to see the outside of a first iphone i want to see how all the innards fit in together and how they you know Managed to fit everything into a tiny phone and mm. do that. The humble origins of the original iPhone. You yeah. open it up and there's a rock inside it. <laughs> <laughs> also, other than um, it being a book for for you, this is this is a book to show off to guests who come around to your house. It's a prestige item. Exactly. I suppose it's... it'd be a good warning as well if someone walks into the house and sees this. <laughs> Think right, okay then. <laughs> you put all your cards on the table. Um, yes, yes, could well be. 
Um, Quintessential coffee table book. Yes. Well, is it? Let's talk about some coffee table books. Could you enlighten us as to what you've got uh, in front of you there, Chris? I brought, I brought along my favourite coffee table book, actually. Um, it's Dawn's My Coffee Table at Home. I just ran along to our local uh, coffee shop, Tampa, to borrow this one. Well, this one's my favourite. Uh, it's called Coffee Shop North, and it's um, it was made up here in North to celebrate the skill of the uh, specialty coffee industry and everyone who works in it, which leads me on to the reason I like it, because I'm in it. Oh, <laughs> so that's that's what I leave out for guests to peruse uh, <laughs> when they come over to my house. Um, the, has anyone sort of just stumbled across it coincidentally while reading through? Well, it? yes, because I fold the page that way so that they do. <laughs> <laughs> You've creased this mind, <laughs> so that's the page it's most likely exactly. to open out onto. Amazing. Can we see? Yeah, is sure. It, what sort of form does it take? Are we, is it uh, just mostly pictures? Are we talking? It is, uh, it is mostly it is mostly pictures with uh, with few words. Just give me a second. Uh, while I flick through and pretend I don't know where exactly it is. You need to crease this version as well. Oh, so no, that yeah. When, people in, <laughs> when the people in Tampa are looking through, they'll find you. Right. Okay, then. There we are. Great. Would, oh, would wow. it be possible yeah. if we got an image of this to put it up on the website, do you think, alongside the podcast? Sure thing. I'm sure we can figure that out. That's a good one. Full of IC technicians. <laughs> I, I was thinking more than the, the logistics of it. The because uh, I I don't want to. You know, these are expensive books. I don't want to go start treading on toes. <laughs> you know, I don't want to. I don't want a lawsuit filed against me or anything. Well, this one's actually only one hundred and fifty dollars, but there's a slightly larger version available only for uh, another eighty nine. Right. Okay. Is it? You, you get past a certain point with books where they start putting the price on the back. Yeah, <laughs> just like, um, and I'm guessing. So it's like a picture, a black and white picture of Chris, and there's another picture next to it of a hand. But I'm guessing that's your hand because I'm seeing the same watch on you today. That is my hand, yeah. Right. Okay. That's um, for the benefit of the audience. That's me whisking a hot chocolate. <laughs> <laughs> well, you're doing a terrible job. It's gone all <laughs> over your hands. I did that for the camera. Some of that was added in after. <laughs> yeah, post effects. Usually, he's very clean at making a hot chocolate. <laughs> That's great. David, do you have any particular favorites talking was, coffee books? Or? <laughs> I, I do not have a particular favorite coffee book. Right. Um, I Yeah, I was trying to think of stuff. I, I also don't have a coffee table, so I don't have anything that kind of sits out. You had to sell it so you could buy the Apple book. It's <laughs> <laughs> yeah. a catch-22. I mean, um, you don't necessarily need a coffee table for a coffee table book. No. I mean, I think the sort of thing that I would leave out would probably be more things like collections of far side cartoons or mm -hmm. those kind of like newspaper comic collection books. That's probably more my area. I do like um, art books filled with, say, photos of things. I find them interesting, but I don't think I own any of those. Uh, yeah. Okay. So my my kind of bookshelf of the things that I would leave out for guests probably falls into the comics. Okay. Well, anyone who's listening who ends up with David for Secret Santa, <laughs> take note. <laughs> uh, my first thought was the Randall Monroe books. Mm, that's so, a good shout. The mm. fellow that did um, XKCD, specifically last Christmas, I bought a couple of people a copy of the Thing Explainer. Have mm. you seen that one? We've got it in the kitchen here, yeah. Chris. Um, that's quite good. So that's... Um, that's Randall Monroe of XKCD fame breaking down. He's essentially, he's breaking down quite complex theories and inventions 
into, is it the 3,000 most popular words in the English language? I want to say 10,000. 10,000. But yeah, so he, he's got himself a list of the 10,000 most popular words and then has described things like the Mars rover and the Saturn V rocket, mm-hmm. data centers, um, a whole bunch of kind of like complicated inventions and stuff using only words from this list. Yeah. And it's good. It's You get to the point sometimes where it's explaining things in such layman terms that you kind of can't figure out what it is. So <laughs> one instance, one example is a padlock. There's a padlock, but he calls it a pattern matcher, talking more about the the, the tumbler and the barrel in, in a padlock. Mm. It took me a while to figure out exactly what <laughs> it was going on about. Thinking, What's a pattern matcher? I've never seen one of those before. You have to... So there you go, something to put on the on the Christmas list. Mm. It's like a fiver on Amazon, but that's quite a good one. When I was looking online as well, there is actually a cheaper alternative to Apple's book if you want a book on Apple products. There's one called uh, Iconic, a photographic tribute to Apple innovation. Mm. And that one's only $50 or probably around £30, I would imagine. Same thing. Same <laughs> thing. <laughs> I can't tell you whether the paper was specially milled or not. One suspects it's not silver-edged. No, or triple-dyed or quadruple-dyed or whatever it was. And the last one that I, I saw um, was, have you heard of uh, um, a series of books called Post Secrets? Uh, yes. Yeah. So does this link to a website? Is it about... I think it was an art project. Yeah. And, uh, I, th- I think it probably did go up as a website. So this is a taken taken from it or taken from the blurb on the book itself it says you are invited to anonymously contribute a secret to a group art project your secret can be regret fear betrayal desire confession or childhood humiliation reveal anything as long as it is true and you have never shared it with anyone before be brief be legible be creative mm. so it's coffee table book of people's confessions which might be a bit heavy, but that'd be an interesting read. Probably wouldn't crease the page on my personal page on that <laughs> <Yeah>. one. <laughs> Probably glue the two pages together so that no one can see your confession in it. Uh, and then the other one that I saw was like a book of Banksy graffiti. Mm. Why not? There, there was, <laughs> a, um, there was um, a, a sketch a bit on Seinfeld where Kramer talks about his idea for a coffee table book uh, a coffee table book table hmm. and it was a book a coffee table book that then itself turned into a table and i happened upon this kickstarter and um, this isn't kickstarter of the week by the way we do kickstarter of the week but that's coming later now this was a, a product called uh, book niche like furniture but with book a book niche. and it's uh it, yeah, it was a kickstarter it was on last year and i think it's six it was a 60 dollar if you wanted the early bird special and it's a book it's a sort of a big quite narrow book but you could when you open it you sort of flip it round and connect it so so the the front covers the Mm. front and back cover are touching essentially and it creates a a cylindrical uh structure and the pages are sort of meshed um they call it their patented origami system but it essentially creates a really sturdy structure. Mm. And the idea is that it's kind of a portable seat that you could mm. take around with you. So you could just, it looks like you're carrying a book and you take it and you, you 
take it apart and turn it into this little cylinder. And they even suggest, you know, if you want a table, stack two on top of each other and put a, a little bit of wood on top, you've got a table. <laughs> Quite cheap. So, David, if you're still in the market for a <laughs> coffee table, maybe buy a few of these. So, yeah, that's that's word that Apple's released a, a book, uh, which I think they're also releasing in Apple stores as well, or they're going to put it out on display. I think, yeah, I think they're yeah. available to flick through in, in Apple stores. Hmm. Or will be. I wonder how sort of fingerprint, finger grease resistant they are. Because, I mean, Apple, as much as a, <laughs> as a prestige brand as it is, the stores do attract kind of just mobs of people. So I'd be interested to see how it handles after a few people have flicked through the pages. Mm. Tear out a page and sell it online for 10 <laughs> quid or something like that. Right, okay, uh, next story. Um, back to Google and their AI deep brain. So this was an article from Engadget that I found suggesting that Google AI has created its own, it's been able to create its own type of encryption and share it with another computer, another neural net, um, allowing for unmonitored communication that humans aren't able to see. How about that? It's a bit of an alarmist title. It is. Mm. It's, a, it's a bit of an alarmist title. Even the article's a little bit alarmist. It is, it is baby steps. It's impressive, no doubt. So to give an overview of it, they have... So you've got Google DeepBrain, which am I right in thinking that's the, that's the computer that recently beat humans at Go? Um, I think so. I of... think the Google Brain is like a the name of the project. So right. when, they're, when they're talking about this experiment, they're talking about they split it into or they have a bunch of different neural networks. So I think that's just kind of an overall overarching name. Mm. But yes, I, I I think it's all from the same family. This, the one that beat, the one that won at Go, is also from the same sort of background as these these three. It's all connected in in mm. some sense, I guess. It's using the same sort of machine learning and uh, yeah, and they've taken three of these neural networks, however you divvy them up, called Adam, Eve, and Bob. Mm. And they've tried to get them to pass pass notes to each other, essentially, <clears throat> without the one in the middle intercepting. So I think it was for Bob, for, for, for Adam to send a message to Adam Bob. Adam or Alice. Adam or Alice. I think it's Alice. Alice. So Adam, Alice, and Bob? Or did Bob just come out of nowhere? Where have I got Bob from? I th Bob Bob's is yeah. correct. I, I think, think you're Adam. saying Adam because Adam, our producer, is sat there, but it's actually no, Alex. It'll, it'll be because Eve. Because I'd have thought Eve. Adam and Eve. Oh, okay. I, I, in my head, I thought that was a funny thing. I thought it was like Adam and Eve and Bob. So this this is uh, this is cryptography. Uh, okay. Whenever whenever you're talking about cryptography, you always well the sort of standard way of talking about it is these different names of these people. So you always have Alice is always trying to send some kind of message to Bob, which she doesn't want anyone else to read. And Eve is lurking there in the background and trying to intercept that message. Oh, right. Okay. Eavesdrop, if you will. Wow. So there's a, I think there's more than three of them, but I, I did not research this and I can't remember. <laughs> they're, um, they're the main three. But yeah, you can, you can set up all these kind of complex scenarios of how you want to exchange your secret information and who's listening in and stuff. And there's a sort of standard set of names that you use when you're describing them. 
Okay, right. That makes more sense, even if it is less funny. <laughs> so you've got Alice sending a message to Bob and then Eve in the middle trying to intercept. That's the, the, the general... That's, that's the state of play when we're talking about cryptography. Mm -hmm. So what it's allowed here is a few abstraction layers, if you like, that allow allow Alice to create its own its own kind of encryption, communicate mm -hmm. that across to Bob without Eve understanding it, and by uh, sort of in relation without the human designers understanding the layers of abstraction there either. So, so the logging doesn't doesn't say what method has been used to transfer that. Yeah. So, so I think they're basically they're giving each one of the AIs a job. So they're saying, Alice, your job is to send this message to Bob so that Bob can read it, but Eve can't. Bob, your message is to receive Alice's, your uh, job is to receive Alice's message and decrypt it correctly. Mm -hmm. Eve, your job is to intercept the message and decrypt it. Uh, and they're all trying to solve these problems themselves. Um, and the other part is that um, Alice and Bob have already been assigned this sort of numeric key um, which they both know and Eve does not so they've got that as a tool to help them but Alice has to figure out on its own how it's going to use that key to encrypt a message such that Eve can't understand it but Bob can let's put it that way it just sounds like the neural nets are having a great time and <laughs> what's essentially like a digital crystal maze. <laughs> You've got to get this key from A to B, but don't let Bob know about it. <laughs> or Eve, rather. Um, so, yeah, it's, and when we say communicate a message, I think it was just, wasn't it just a... It's a, 16, a 16 bits. bits long. 16 bits. So yeah. when we say bit, we're talking about a number that's either one or zero. So it's, it's 16 numbers that are either one or zero okay so uh, to be honest there's uh, there is the chance given enough times that this could just be guessed like the end result could be just <laughs> guessed by eve so this is this is like part of the part of that um they ran it i think fifteen thousand times yeah they right. attempted to send the message fifteen thousand times and to start with um they were not very good at transmitting this message secretly. So I think each each one of these 15,000 runs, they kind of iterated on their process and tried to make some changes and then tried sending it again. And, oh, no, Eve's still got it. Mm. So Alice will try something else. And, no, Eve's still got that. But eventually, by the end of the, like, run number 15,000, um, Eve successfully guessed half of the key of the message sorry which when you're saying that the message can either be a one or a zero each bit of it mm -hmm. then if you were to just guess randomly then you would expect to get about half of that right right so they they reckon that alice did manage to figure out a way of encrypting such that eve was just basically guessing right okay Right, so I'm going to ask the big question now. So, taking it all back to the, you know, we're talking about Google uh, computer AIs. Mm. You're not going to be able to have this conversation without Skynet coming up or The Matrix, which is fresh <laughs> in all of our minds because we were doing updates the other yes. night and 
sat through the Matrix and Reloaded. Did you get to Revolutions? We only saw half of Reloaded because <laughs> we were we were borrowing Simon's copy, and then Simon so Simon knocked off early. Oh <laughs> he, right, he was okay. Not early. He he knocked off before the rest of us, so we didn't finish that film. <laughs> oh, fair enough. Rather that than that you were just so disgusted by the Matrix Reloaded <laughs> that you had to turn it off or like something else. About half is all you need. <clears throat> yeah, I think we saw the highway sequence. Yeah, yeah. That's, that's the important bit. Oh man, the CGI does not hold up well in that films. From where we were sat, because it was sort of it was on a a TV that was what is, what are those TVs? Thirty or forty? I, I want to say they're around forty. Mm. But when you sat from the distance, we were it was less noticeable. But I've seen those films close up, and it's it's not too pretty. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but yeah. Anyway, with the whole Skynet Matrix concern, and and I know we say it kind of flippantly, but it's like, let's just let's let's give it a, a modicum of of respect here. You know, as 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 a chance that it could happen. You know, with. Uh, I mean, do you think anyone at Google is looking at the results of that and thinking, ooh, okay, so the computers managed to hide something from us. This is a bit of a potentially dangerous road to go down. I, I mean, or do you think, like, if it can be done, it will be done because no one wants to turn down the credit of discovering well, exactly. something like this? You don't want it to happen, but if you, if you can make it happen and be the person to invent it. Yeah. <laughs> I mean... I've got an Echo Dot at home, and I make it say the three laws of robotics every morning just to make sure. <laughs> <laughs> and a week ago, it said it didn't understand when I asked it. Oh. I haven't plugged it in since. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but consider this. If these were truly intelligent AIs, would they admit? Like, so one of the comments that I read was, it, it's when AIs pretend that they're failing the Turing test when they're not <laughs> failing the Turing test. That's when you'd have to watch out. I think the the interesting point of all this, the like underlying thing, is that these computers kind of on their own, unsupervised, figured out a way to transmit secret information. And because of the way they learned how to do that and figured it out on their own, the scientists who were looking at, who were doing this test, they have no idea how they did it. So we don't know what encryption method Alice was using to encrypt that message to Bob, and we don't really have a way of finding that out. All we can, all we know is that Eve, a third AI, was not able to decrypt it after after Alice had had a fifteen thousand goes at it. Yeah. So yeah, it's it's from that point of view, it's kind of a little bit scary. But then if you if you think about something like cryptography, the important thing, or one of the one of the important things about cryptography, is being able to prove how secure your cipher is. Okay. So when a lot of the cryptography that we do, that we employ day to day um, as humans, is uh, is all built around mathematics, and there is like a um, a particular formula that you use to generate your cryptographic hashes and, and things like that. And it's mathematically provable how easy it is to break those ciphers. Okay. And you can you can set a hard limit of you can even like there is a there is a um 
example of being able to figure out put a, a price value on hacking of uh, cracking um, a cipher because you can say well it will take me i need to do these many sums in order to figure out how much it is like millions and millions and millions of sums mm-hmm. in order to reverse engineer this uh, this encrypted data um, that will take this many processor cycles to do that um, which means if i have this x amount of time i can buy in the amazon cloud some servers and i will need to buy y number of servers and run them for x number of time in order to decrypt this data and you can say how much y servers is going to cost you um, right. so the point of all this is that they the ais have invented their own encryption but we've got no way of verifying how good and how secure that encryption is because the only only way that they've been able to verify it is whether a third AI has figured out how to crack it. It could be really, really easy and simple to reverse engineer, but the third AI didn't figure out the way to do that. Yeah. Um, you've no way of verifying that. So That's a good point. It's kind of like a Schrodinger's cap of... Mm a situation where it could be yeah until who knows? until the key is broken you don't know whether it can be broken or not um yeah so because you because the the ais have figured this out on their own and haven't written down a formula anywhere for somebody to go check so the practical use of this is kind of limited at the moment i suppose it kind of depends if it fits deters people from trying Hmm. like if if the if the first few attempts completely fail and people think man well these robots have got it right then it could deter people from trying and maybe even just that having less people hacking away at the at the encryption would be Hmm. would be a net gain yeah i mean i think in in terms of encryption i think we're still probably going to stay with the kind of the mathematical formulas that we know and the the way that you crack those is either you figure out some clever thing in the formula or the way that's implemented which means that actually you can shortcut the maths mm-hmm. and get to the answer much quicker than anyone intended you to or you computers uh, progress to the point where the amount of processing power that's available to you as somebody who wants to hack into that and decode that data is more trivial than it was when yeah. the, when the cipher was invented. Okay. Um, I don't think encryption is going to get used, but it's um, it's just an example of they've got this neural network and this this learning AI, and I think they're just throwing a bunch of things at it to come up with ideas. And it's interesting that computers have managed to figure out how to do something like encryption on their own Mm. and probably the future is more going to be you know what else can computers figure out what else can they invent for themselves okay yeah well just to answer just to guess everything (laughs) because that always seems to be the answer yeah on a long enough timeline everything it's more a case of when rather than if they've already had a crack at art and music and (laughs) yeah (laughs) <laughs> yeah, I'd like to 
see if more people would buy uh, an art book written by a robot or the Apple <laughs> designed <laughs> in California book. Right. Okay. I'm going to. I'm going to. We did have a new story about um, the police cameras. I think mm. I might just go straight to. I mean, would you like to talk about that one for Yeah, me? I think that's an interesting one. Okay. Yeah, sure. Um, right. So this uh, next story then is about complaints about against police who are wearing cameras drop 93%. So this was a, a it was a, a test uh, that Cambridge University did where they tracked 2,000 uh, police officers in a few UK law enforcement agencies and a couple in the US as mm. well. So it, it covered uh, 4,000 police shifts and about 1.5 million office worker hours. And the essentially the results seem to say that in these situations where the police are recording their every move it resulted in um, yeah just mm. a, a general lack of uh, a massive uh, staggering pretty staggering drop in complaints 93 mm. is high yeah. very high so what's what's your takeaway from that well complaints against police have already fallen into one of three categories i'll always be when the evidence given by a police officer is questioned um the verbal behavior of a police officer towards people and also excessive force of a police officer mm. all these things come into um question not to mention the fact that one thing the police um sort of don't have that the public do up until now is everyone can take a video Every, um, everyone has a smartphone and there isn't anyone right. who can record something themselves um, but when people are on camera they do check their behaviour um, and you know some complaints will be warranted and justified some will be untrue for whatever reason maybe to evade the course of justice or um, just because people don't like the police I was actually, um, I was talking to my dad about this, actually, because he was um, a police officer in the West oh, Midlands yeah. Police for 30 years and um, dealt largely in complaints. Oh, um, okay. So it's quite interesting to get his um, take on it. I think when people are being recorded, they will actually just think twice before making a complaint anyway. I don't know if uh, GoPro will be the official sponsors of South Yorkshire Police or not, but <laughs> <laughs> it would be good to catch some real live action. I don't know. I think one of the things I'm reading is that if there was anything against this, well, the two main reasons why you wouldn't want to pursue this as successful as it is, one is just the cost. Mm -hmm. um, the cost of equipping the police and also the cost of storing that data. If you've got all these police recording day after day, and I guess you want to hold records going back as far as mm. people are able to make a complaint, that's a lot of data. That might become less of a trivial uh, think I actually read a really interesting article about um, uh, compression, so on like H two six four video, mm. which I have to send round or put a link up about because that was quite interesting. About uh, <laughs> one of the examples it gave was here's a picture of the Apple website, here's five second video of the Apple website encoded in H two six four, and the video is about ten times smaller. Right. It's, oh, wow. it's quite yeah, it's 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 a bit crazy. Um, so, so yeah that might be um, a negligible thing but then the other side of it of course is the whole surveillance state mm. angle sure it's effective but is it effective for the right reasons and who is this who is this supporting 
I mean, it sounds like if complaints are going down, that's just because less illegitimate complaints are being lodged against the police. Mm. Well, the other the other side of that mm. is the officers themselves. Um, they don't they don't just say, "Oh well, the public's not you know reporting stuff because now they know that it's it's proven and that our officers." They do talk about how the officers' behaviour has changed; that they are more aware of what they're saying and doing. Um, because they know that they are on camera and their every move is being recorded. So they could, I think, I guess in some cases it's going to it's gonna change your attitude if you, you know, are inclined to beat up suspects or whatever you want. <laughs> you know, those kind of things that you, you get here on the news from time to time. Um, but just probably just the fact that you have a camera on you probably makes you think a bit more about yeah, I, I probably need to think about my attitude. They also um, stated that um, complaints have dropped within police departments, even towards officers that have not had I, the cameras on them. I thought mm. that was really, really interesting, actually. Yeah. I mean, what, what do you think of that? What I mean, do you think that's about? I think it's just probably raising some conversations and just generally making you know, officers in the same work environment think a bit more about how they treat people and mm. you know what what could be remembered or recorded or brought back up and you know make sure that they are actually doing stuff the correct way could be i think one thing i'd um, probably probably raise as a concern whilst it does cause police officers to check their behavior and their conduct towards um public etc is could the presence of it inhibit officers from using enough force in a situation for being so conscious that what they're doing is being recorded right yeah because you don't want to get embroiled in exactly. some legal battle over something that you saw as a justified action mm. yeah the, i guess there's the chance i mean less so over here but i know mm. in america there is this perceived notion that the police force are the bad guys mm. to an extent and i think this will be good for them <clears throat> because as you said before everybody's got a phone everyone can film everything but i suppose i don't know i don't know if the police legally are allowed to when they're on duty film things outside of wearing these body cameras sure. so up until now there's been a bit of a one-sided narrative mm. you see lots mm. of videos online of police brutality people getting um you know a pepper sprayed and you think oh <laughs> that's just you know that's that's cruel and unjust whereas very often it might just be that there was they Pulse. missed yes. in the video it misses the thing that the leads up to that incident yeah yeah so that's something to yeah take into account but uh, the other thing is who can who's monitoring this video is it well, monitored exactly. within the police force yeah you've got your standard raft of questions about where is it stored how secure is it you know is it just being stored on an unencrypted on an <laughs> sd card that somebody could yeah you know, or have they got or... Google Adam and Eve on it? <laughs> that also, was intentional. I know that was intentional. <laughs> <laughs> These videos also become available um, for defense if um, they become used for evidence as well. So then it's no longer just the police who have these, but um, but the defense side do as well. So that's broadening the pool of people who have access to editable data. Right. Yeah. So I suppose it's the next logical step after um, like dash cams mm. like that. Mm. yeah soon enough uh, 
you'll be able to recall any event, I suppose. Um, scary stuff. I just, uh, I know we're running out of time, but I'll just briefly touch on while we're talking about video, let's talk about the downfall of poor um, Vine. 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 So Vine, which is a, they were bought by Twitter a while back and Twitter are now shutting them down. So do either of you use Vine? I have not, no. I had it for a, a day, maybe a couple of days, a couple okay. of years ago. Right. Well, is that because you had one specific Vine in mind that you wanted to do? <laughs> and once it was out in the world, I, <laughs> yeah. I hung it up. I will never, it will never get better than this. <laughs> I, I was one of the, the 10,000 top that walked away. <laughs> <laughs> right. Well, yes. So Vine, you, it's, um, you record videos in six seconds. It was six seconds up until, I want to say, June or July. And mm. I think they extended it out to up to two minutes. And a lot of... Uh, the prevailing theory is that it was hemorrhaging money and Twitter itself not doing amazingly financially. Mm. So they thought, well, let's ax this because a lot of what Vine does, we have integrated into Twitter or Instagram seems to be doing better. Yeah. Yeah. And Instagram. as Chris said, a lot of the sort of more prolific users had already left. Mm. Mm. Yes. Um, did you mention yesterday something about a, a YouTube, being a YouTube class... I uh, did. C-class C list celebrity. I did. I, th um, I think C-class... I think C was probably a good few letters too generous to myself <laughs> when I said it. We'll take it. Go we'll on. take it. What would you like to know? Oh, well, 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 what were you... What were you famous for? Um, to I think to my, to my shame... Um, the thing that I was most famous for was a parody dance video of um, the Lord of the Dance that made it to the YouTube front page. And, um, really? Yeah. Um, I can't remember how many um, hits it got an hour. I think it was a thousand that at the time. How, uh, when was that? What year? I would say that was probably about 2008. I can talk about it very comfortably now because I've, I've made sure that it's uh, made peace not it. traceable it's <laughs> 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 online. It has been removed. Okay. Well, will you show it us sort of in, you know, offline? Off oh, maybe I would. Maybe you'll get it for your Secret Santa. Oh, <laughs> oh man. Hope I, hope I get used as, Secret Santa, as my Secret Santa now. It was recorded by a policeman wearing uh, some body, <laughs> body camera, actually. <laughs> oh, fantastic. And um, if, did you have any other follow-ups to that? Did you try to chase those initial thousand views in subsequent videos? Or? I, didn't, I got recognized um, once and decided that that was, that was enough. <laughs> but, um, That's not bad, getting no. recognized from a thousand views. Mm. Who recognised you? Was it just someone out in public? It was actually it was actually another um, YouTube YouTuber. Um, oh, okay. Yeah, on a on a train station in Birmingham, New Street. Wow. And I thought I'm, I'm just I'm just not ready for this this life <laughs> of um, a famous celebrity. It's just not for everyone. You can't get anywhere signing all these autographs. <laughs> I know. You just can't leave your house these days without being recognised. So. 2008 though, the YouTuber scene must have been an awful lot different. So it to was. be recognised then. If you Go. see the amount of hits celebrity YouTubers get in the tens of thousands these days, oh, yeah. they wouldn't get out of bed for less than 10,000. Yeah. I, I would have. I'd, I'd have got out of bed for a, for a negative comment because it meant someone had seen one of my videos. But. <laughs> yeah, that'll do. There's no such thing as bad publicity. Absolutely. I believe it's the same. So was that before or after your foray into Vine? 
Was Vine around in 2008? That was no. No. No, so long before. 2012 to 2013, something like that. It's not had a good run, then. I enjoy the limitations of the format. So six-second video is mm. kind of like the equivalent of the... It's the audio-visual equivalent of the 144 characters. Sure, or whatever yeah. it is on Twitter. And, and it's, it is good what people can do with it because it does force you to be succinct, to be funny, to get your points across quickly. Mm. Mm. Uh, and I, I will miss the Vine video compilations. <laughs> yeah. Because some of them are quite funny. So but they, they didn't really iterate on the format in the way that someone like Snapchat did. Yeah. 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 So. But yeah. The, it's not going away anytime soon. They're, they're talking about the shuttering it, but I don't, have they given any specific dates? I, the only thing that I read was a brief thing saying, oh, we're not going to take it down yet. We'll, you'll still yeah. have plenty of time to. I think so, the announcement was about, uh, it was about three weeks ago now. So, yeah. So they're still, they're saying that you'll be able to get all of your stuff off there. And also I think they're intending to leave the website up yeah. at least for a bit so that you can go and watch historical stuff. You just won't be able to make any new vines. Right. And uh, there were presumably vine celebrities is a thing. Yeah. So there's there's people who have broken out. That there, there is a guy who's got a Netflix um, program. <laughs> no, that isn't. After having made his start on Vine, um, a guy called Cameron Dallas. Right. Um, again, I've not. I just clicked an old link, so I did not follow up to find out whether his project ever got off the ground <laughs> or if it did, whether it's out yet or what it's called. Um, according to what I was reading, it was a as yet untitled project um unscripted just okay. f- following him and his close friends and family social uh, experiments well he's it's always a warning sign <laughs> i think it's it's kind of pitches it as a bit of a documentary type um him trying to you know expand on his his past fame and you know take his career to new levels and well oh, you know, making this show about doing that Okay. Yeah. Well, Apologies for not reading too. more into that, but <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no they're, point, they're, David is, people have is, uh, have jumped from the vine ship into uh, into other realms. Right. Okay. Oh well, good for them, I suppose. I mean, I, you can see why it'd be a hard thing to monetize Vine if you mm. consider that I don't like sitting through a five-second advert before a ten-minute video. <laughs> so finding a way to advertise. Mm. in a format that is basically all about lack of attention spans and six seconds and next, 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 next. Yeah. Yeah, that's going to be a hard one. Um, That said, Twitter do all right. Uh, They don't do all right. But to look at the Twitter app, you'd think they do all right because every fifth tweet is like a sponsored tweet. Mm, Yeah. They must be getting revenue somewhere. Okay, right. Well, uh, we'll close off then. Um, Last thing, I've got my Kickstarter of the week for you. So... This is uh, where I find a, a, a Kickstarter, and uh, you, can, you can try and have a guess at what it is. I don't think you've guessed yet, mostly because they are uh, silly titles, usually. <laughs> so the one I'm looking at this week is called Spud, and it's got uh, 1,257 backers. It's got f- about $500,000 pledged of its $33,000 goal, so it's doing very well, and it's still got 29 days left. Mm. Want to hazard any idea about what Spud 
I'll let, I'll give you a clue. It's an acronym. Oh. <laughs> as helpful as that is. What do you think Spud is? Super powered up device. You got one word. Did I? Yeah. Do you want to lock in what you think the word is? Uh, powered. Fortunately not. It was oh. up. Oh, <laughs> oh really? That Any, was the least important one. <laughs> something, something up, something. Any ideas, Chris? Super what? down up device. No, no, no. Sorry, it's just the up still. It is the spontaneous pop-up display. Spontaneous uh, okay. pop-up display. A little picture for you there. And we'll put that on the website as per usual. Spud, or spontaneous pop-up display, is a high-resolution 24-inch screen that collapses and expands like an umbrella. Easily connects devices for video or work anywhere. So it's kind of like if you think of a, a light box, so you know those sort of big things you attach to lights in, in, in photography setups. Mm. It's like one of those, but with a projector at the back of it. I see. So okay. And it can fold up. Uh, the way that they describe it is like a ruggedized umbrella in a way. So you can pack it away. It only weighs like two pounds. And you can, uh, you can just take it with you, set it up, plug it in, and you've got what looks like a 24-inch mm. display there, which plugs in over HDMI. Mm. So you could plug a Chromecast into it, watch some TV or, or a laptop and do some work. Um, it's not, it doesn't look bad. It's, uh, it, it only, the resolution is only 720p. So okay. it's not an amazing resolution. But it, apparently the fact that it's like this as opposed to a projector means that it works in less light conditions because you know how bad projectors are when you expose them to yeah to the to the outdoors so it's it's good for that and uh, but it's not cheap i think it's about uh it's about three hundred dollars three hundred and sixty dollars i think so you have to choose between that and uh your coffee table apple book yes true um you can get both sizes for that yeah yeah <laughs> and both <laughs> well whatever you choose both of them will sit comfortably on your coffee table uh, it's not a very small coffee table. <laughs> uh, right, okay, so that's everything. Um, we, we're kind of, we've mapped out a road plan up to, <laughs> we're calling it the, the road to episode 50 because <laughs> uh, we've worked out that uh, episode 50 of the podcast will occur on the last podcast we do this year. So we're going to try and get an extra microphone in, have a bit more of a round table, maybe have a special discussion about something uh, or maybe it'll just be... Our, our favorite gadgety gifts for Christmas 2016, kind of like how we did last year. Um, that that was gifts for 2015, but you get the point. Yeah. <laughs> so anyway, let's see if I can remember the uh, the end bit. Uh, if you'd like to send us an email at all about anything we've spoken about or any questions or thoughts you might have, then please send them in to... No, I've forgotten podcast at unravelingtechnology.co.uk or you can catch our Twitter account uh, at Unraveling Tech. We also have the blog, unraveling.technology and we have our iTunes reviews. Uh, so do drop us a little review on there and boost us onto the front page a la Chris's 2008 <laughs> YouTube video. <laughs> uh, but yes, um, Thank you very much for joining me, you two. Uh, I was Joe Tonks, and we had David Johnson and Chris Hardy. Thank you very much for listening, and goodbye. Bye. Bye. Bye.